after the uh, a lengthy wilderness experience of wanderings brought on by their ancestors' decision to fear the inhabitants of the promised land rather than to fear the Lord, children of Israel once again stood on the brink of the land God had promised to Abraham and his descendants. You could say on the threshold, on the steps of the promised land, the land that God had promised them. Entering the land required crossing the Jordan River while it was at flood stage. As he had done for his people crossing the Red Sea on their way out of Egypt, God again gave his people dry passage. And I like that. I like the fact that God didn't allow them to slop through a mucky, miry land or passageway. He opened up the Red Sea and the people of God walked through on dry ground. That's a miracle. That is indeed a miracle. When the, when the, when the Egyptians followed, what happened? Everything miraculously changed back to mud, muck, and mire. Because we are told that the chariot wheels sunk in the mud. Many people miss that miracle. The only miracle they see is the opening of the Red Sea. They miss the fact that God dried up the ground as well. But let's look at the first question on uh, page 19. When have you recently jumped outside of your comfort zone? When have you recently jumped outside of your comfort zone? All of us have a comfort zone that we in, whether we acknowledge it or not, we all have that comfort zone, that uh, area that we have cocooned ourselves in that we won't come out of for fear of what might happen, uh, for moving out of the area, area of familiarity. So who can remember when, the, when, when you have recently jumped out of your comfort zone? You were pondering, so you were challenged with something you were pondering it for a long time, and you were scared. That's the word. You were scared to come out of that zone, but you eventually made it. Anybody ever had that experience? Nobody? Wow. <laughs> we are unique people. Huh? Yes, many times. You, you do have it many times, fisherman, right? Yeah. We all have those, those experiences. Yeah, whether we acknowledge it or not, we, we've been there. Okay? And it's not something that we are delighted to talk about. But we've been there. We can acknowledge that much. Okay, meets, uh, Bible meets life. Can someone read that, please? Joshua has a difficult challenge to lead his people across 
Okay, so notice the point on page, uh, top of page 20. Lead from where? A position of confidence, not hesitance or timidity. A position of confidence in God. So let's look at what the Bible has to say. Leading, uh, reading the passage on page 21. If we can have someone read the first two verses of that, verses 7 and 8, please. The Lord spoke to Joshua, to gain, and began exhorting in the sight of all Israel, so they will know that I will be with you just as I will be with you. The man and the priest carried the ark of the covenant when you reach the edge of the Okay, so after a long period of wilderness wanderings, or we could call it going around in circles, punishment for the unbelieving generation of adults. That was God's punishment to walk around in circles. So if you ever find yourself walking around in circles, then you understand what it's all about. Right? Children of Israel disobeyed God, and they found themselves walking around in circles in the wilderness for a long period of time. Ever uh, been on a journey, and you... You lost sense of your direction, and then you were, you and your partner were trying to figure it out, and uh, you probably were driving, and you didn't want to take the advice, and what happened? You go around in circles, right? It happens. God allowed the next generation of the Israelites to enter the promised land after the first generation of uh, disobeyed and wandered around uh, in circles. From a human perspective, the timing of the command to take possession of the land seems ill-advised as the main geographical barrier. The Jordan River was at flood stage. In other words, from a human perspective, this was not a good time to do this. Yet, God chose his specific time to spur his people into action. And that's why the Bible tells us that his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. The obstacle of the Jordan rivers, of the Jordan's waters, would force the Israelites to decide whether they wanted to obey God or follow a path similar to that of the unbelieving generation before them. In other words, they faced the same obstacle. The only difference was this generation had a choice in whether they were going to obey or do what the last, the first generation did, disobey. Then when we look at verse 7, we see the simple clause. The Lord spoke to Joshua. Very important for understanding the flow of the story from this point forward. Two things. First, the clause reminds us that the Lord is taking a, an active role in guiding Joshua. God is not a spectator God at this particular point. He's taking an active role in guiding Joshua. God did not merely give Joshua the big picture plan and then leave him to figure out the details. Instead, he took direct charge of the specific steps Israel would take to cross the Jordan River and enter the Promised Land. That's the first thing. Secondly, 
Because Joshua was a human leader of God's people, his leadership would reflect God's guidance in his life. That the Lord spoke to Joshua primarily was necessary for the success of the entire enterprise. In other words, if God hadn't spoken to Joshua, the whole journey, everything that was planned would not have gone according to God's plan. Just as God took the initiative to speak to Joshua, he also promised to take the initiative to exalt Joshua in the sight of all Israel. And the term exalt renders renders the Hebrew word to make great. God was going to make Joshua great, not Joshua. In doing so, the Lord would help Joshua overcome the anxiety of embarking on such a seemingly impossible task as crossing the flooded river and entering into enemy territory. By exalting Joshua, all Israel would know that the Lord was with Joshua just as he had been with Moses. And so God was doing some unique things here, and it was important for Joshua to understand that God was in the equation, and God was not spectating on the sidelines. Question number two, on page 22, what does it say? We've all had those experiences, right? Where we've had a, a something happened, we were on the borderline, we were timid, we were scared, we were reluctant, and something happened that gave the, gave us a boost of confidence. We've all had those experiences. Look at the page 23. It says rooted in confidence. How are the following factors provided roots for your confidence as a leader today? and as a leader in any respect. Choose two factors and record specific moments you have experienced that have influenced you. See God's word, people, accomplishments. And that's something for you to mull over. Look at that assignment uh, and see what you come up with. Okay, let's look at the uh, Paragraph on page 22. And again, can we have someone read that, please? Read the whole thing, please. God gave Joshua an encouraging promise. Today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, so they will know that I will be with Jesus as I was with Moses. Long before the people had affirmed Moses as their leader, Now God would exalt Joshua to show that his leadership would also be marked by God's presence and power. Joshua could lead with confidence because he had listened to what God said about him earlier. I will be with you just as I was God was reaffirming his earlier promise. God gave Joshua instructions for the next step. Command the priests carrying the ark stand in the Jordan. These were not ordinary instructions. In fact, they were kind of strange. Yet Joshua demonstrated his faith and trust in God by obeying the commands he received. 
Joshua and seeing God at work in the past. Therefore, he had confidence that God would again do something marvelous. Listening is a vital component of leadership. Yet there's danger when we listen to the wrong voices. If we think too highly of our own abilities, of our own voice, we can become overconfident. Conversely, if we downgrade our unique gifts, leadership skills, or opportunities, we can end up in a self-induced paralysis of despair. If we take too hard the comparisons or criticisms of others, we can respond in arrogance or become discouraged. As leaders, we should never listen to these voices, even our own voice. More than we listen, even our own voice, more than we listen to God. Instead, listen to the heart of God who decides to do walk wisely and finish faithfully. Remember that God's desire is for you to prosper and carrying out your path. Listen to the promise of God to go with you and give you courage. Most importantly, listen to the words of God as they give you guidance each day. That's the best source of confidence for you. Okay. Notice the last paragraph. As leaders, that's referring to all of us. All of us in that equation. All of us are characterized as leaders. As leaders, you should never listen to those voices, even our own voice, more than we listen to God. Now, do we do that? Do we? Sometimes, yes, we do. Instead, listen to the heart of God who desires to see you walk wisely and finish faithfully. Remember that God's desire is for you to prosper and succeed. That's God's desire. Now, isn't that our desire too? It is. But you see, when we do it according to our way, it doesn't work out the way it would work out if we did it God's way. In carrying out our task, listen to the promise promise of God to go with you and to give you courage. Verse verse 9. Most importantly, listen to the words of God as they give you guidance each day, every single day. Not hit and miss, some days and then, then you know, you're not checking on the other days. Okay, look at uh, verse 9. Transition to, into the, the next section. You see clear evidence of Joshua's confidence in God. God laid out what he wanted Joshua to do, gave instructions. And here we're going to see now Joshua's clear evidence of Joshua's confidence in God. Read verses 9 through 13, please. Then Joshua told the Israelites, Come closer and listen to the words of the Lord your God. He said, You will know that the living God is among you and that he will certainly dispossess for you the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Girgashites, Amorites, and Jebusites. All the ice. <laughs> when the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth goes ahead of you in the Jordan, into the Jordan, now choose twelve men from the tribes of Israel, one man from each tribe. When the feet of the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, come to 
progress to the Jordan's waters. Its waters will be cut off. The water flowing downstream will stand up in a mass. Okay. Peoples of the land, all the ites would be defeated. Whoever ites they were, and he laid them all, he named them all. All of them would be defeated and the Israelites would take possession of the land when the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord goes ahead of the Israelites through the Jordan River and into the land. The successful conquest was tied directly to the Israelites' immediate compliance with the instructions. In other words, God gave them instructions, God crossed all the T's and dotted all the I's, and they were not supposed to change anything. Do exactly as God had said. Interestingly, the covenant God was referred to as the Lord of all the earth. Now that's important, because it meant that the land that the all of the ites possessed was also the God, God's land. And that's why God could say, you go in and possess this land because it's my land. I'm giving this to you. They may be living on it, but it's my land. Okay, so take close, close reference to that word, or as the Lord of all the earth is given this instructions. You know, there was a, uh, the church I was at recently, previously, they had bought this property uh, to build a, a Christian life center and uh, some families uh, had um, said that they, they'd owned this land and um, they claimed that all the land that their mother walked was their land. And when you look at all the land that they were claiming, boy, their mother did a whole lot of walking. And uh, when, we, when, they, when the, the, the church went in there and cleared the land down and started to do stuff, these guys were, they were a group of brothers. They were into the heavy equipment business. And so they went in there with their big bulldozers and they knock everything down. Everything that was put up, they knock it down because their claim was everywhere that my mother walked is ours. God is saying, all this land belongs to me. So you could go and do what I tell you to do with it. The word earth encompasses both human inhabitants, God's people, and the pagans who occupied the promised land. All of it and non-human aspects like the flood of Jordan. As the Lord of all the earth, Yahweh's power would prove more significant to stifle the pagan enemies of his people and also to prevent the raging waters of the flood of Jordan from keeping the Israelites from going into and possessing the promised land. And so God says, this is my land, you're going to go into it, no obstacle is going to keep you out of it, even the flooded waters is no, no challenge for me. I'll take care of that too. And that's how God works on behalf of his people. Okay, let's read the, uh, have someone read the passages on page 24, please.
Okay, notice a couple of points there. First of all, Joshua told his people everything God had spoken to him. He didn't hold anything back. Everything God spoke to him, God, Joshua told the people because he had confidence in God. And then secondly, Joshua didn't try to soften God's promise or add a caveat. He spoke confidently. And then thirdly, when we're called to step up into our own Jordan, to step out of your comfort zone, you can do so confidently when you trust God. You can do so confidently when you trust God. And let's look at the other question then on page 24, question number three. What does it say? Joshua expressed confidence in God. So, how can we express confidence in God when we don't have all the answers? Simple answer to that question. What is it? Trust. Trust. Exactly. Trust. Joshua trusted God completely. Even though he looked at the circumstances and, and the ordinary person would say, Boy, I don't know how this is going to happen. Joshua trusted God completely that God was in charge. You see, sometimes we think we know that God is large, but we don't often think confidently that he's in charge. Okay, but we need to be ever mindful as Joshua demonstrated. He saw God as not only large, but in charge and capable of doing what he said he would do or could do. Question number four. How do we experience God's presence today? Okay, how do we experience God's presence today? As we get into the Word. Through the Holy Spirit, okay. As we get into His Word, and the Holy Spirit speaks to us and guides us through as we read God's Word. Prayer. Prayer. Okay. So we experience God's, God's presence in a number of ways. Uh, but most importantly, as we obey. Regardless of what the circumstances look like, obedience is the key. Remember God... Uh, mentioned something about obedience when someone else tried to make an alternative they thought but appease God and what did God say to obey is better than sacrifice you may have a great idea and it's contrary to what God tells you to do but don't do it because to obey is better than sacrifice okay the last portion uh, that we want to read is verses 14 to 17 could have someone read those, please? So it came about when the people set out from their tents to cross the Jordan with the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant before the people, 
and when those who carried the ark came into the Jordan, and the feet of the priests carrying the ark were dipped in the edge of the water, for the Jordan overflowed all its banks all the days of harvest, that the waters which were flowing down from above stood and rose up in one heap, and a great distance away at Adam, the city that is beside Zarephan, and those which were flowing down toward the Sea of the Arabah, the Salt Sea, were completely cut off. So the people crossed opposite Jericho. And the priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan, while all Israel crossed on dry ground until all the nation had finished crossing the Jordan. Amen. Verse 17. Notice, the priests were able to carry the Ark of the Covenant to the middle of the Jordan once the waters were cut off. Twice in this verse, the phrase dry ground appears. See that? Twice. The Hebrew term for this phrase also is used in Exodus chapter 14, verse 21, when the Lord drove back the waters, allowing the people to cross the Red Sea on again. Dry ground ground. Don't miss that. That's important. Thus, entrance into the land of promise by crossing the dry land was the conclusion to the Exodus event that started with the people leaving Egypt by crossing, by crossing out of the land of bondage on dry ground. The phrase, all Israel and the entire nation, two phrases, all Israel and the entire land served to emphasize the totality of the miracle of the damming of the waters. God miraculously overcame the obstacle of the flooded Jordan River until every last one of his people had finished crossing the Jordan. This great and complete act of safe passage would provide later generations with a tremendous source of encouragement. All they do is think back, look at what God did. And sometimes we look at the, the, what we seemingly see as the insignificant, but it's very significant when God is in it. Okay, the last paragraph uh, we want to look at on page 25. We could have someone read that, please. Sure, 
we can find another way to cross, a cross the river. Why don't we wait for the flooded river to subside? Let's send a team over first to see if God's plan works. Was Joshua listened to God, stepped out confidently based on what he had instructed, and let the people to do the same. When we listen to what God has said and move forward in his presence, he will provide the direction we need. Even more, he will equip us to lead confidently. Okay, and God is the only one who can equip us to lead confidently. And so the wonderful news for the Israelites was that they didn't need to apply a lot of effort in order to follow God's plan. God had worked it out. Instead, they simply needed to listen and obey in order to serve, in order to see God's plan come about. Okay, uh, the last question, uh, question number five. How can we demonstrate confidence in God in a way that leads others to follow and obey? How can we demonstrate confidence? And I believe we've already answered that question, right? How would we? Trust. There's a song that says, trust and obey. For there's no other way, okay? To be happy in Jesus. I think that song answers the question. So again, the point is, lead from a position of confidence in God. Let's look at the live it out uh, last portion. Consider the following suggestions for getting started in terms of expressing confidence in God this week and in the weeks to come. Here is the application process of what we've looked at today in terms of our challenge. Look for God's promises. As you engage God's work this week, highlight or write down any promises you find. Trusting in God and what God has promised is a great way to gain confidence. That's number one. Number two, get feedback. Ask those who you lead, those ask those you lead or influence to evaluate what you're communicating through your leadership. Assess whether the leadership you provide comes from the heart and words of God or from your own ideas. And then thirdly, speak boldly. When opportunities present, present themselves, be bold in proclaiming the truth of God's promises. Not timid, not speaking as if you're not sure of it or you're not sure it's going to come about, but speak boldly with confidence. Be confident that others will benefit from the scripture as you do. And so again, when we confidently trust what God has told you, you can jump. When you confidently trust. Ever see a father asking their little child to jump and they'll catch them? Does the child hesitate? No, they just jump because they know daddy's going to catch them. We can take a flying leap because he is with you. So if you have a challenge from here on in to take a flying leap, you know that you can because God is there to catch you, right? 